For our first message today, we have a sermonette from Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, Walk in the Spirit. Mr. Carter, there you are, okay. Church is not built the same way as it was, when it will, like it will be tomorrow if I can help it. Well, we made it. It's the last day of unleavened bread. I didn't quite make it perfectly. Matt gave his story this time, how he didn't do something with his vehicle. Well, I'll just tell this to start, break the ice, since I'm a little tired. It's been a long week. I went through the back. Okay, we, when we cleaned the church, we had bags of clothes for Salvation Army. And I told him that my job is offering to go ahead and take stuff to Salvation Army. It was mostly it was supposed to be our uniforms, but they didn't have enough, so they're just going to fill up a container. Well, I went in the back of the car on Tuesday, and I'm going, yeah, I'm going to empty the back of the car. And then I found the two little snack bars that were given to me on the, on the day we cleaned the church. So it's amazing where this stuff hides. I thought, I just looked and went, ah, that went in the trash quick. But we did make it. We made it to the, days of un, the last day of unleavened bread. And for me, it seemed like it went fast. Seven days just don't seem like seven days like they used to be. And we, to, as of in about, so I have to revise my notes because we start at church later than usual. We'll just say it this way, six hours or so, we'll be able to eat the leavened food if we want to. One of my vices, I was talking to someone, was the fact that work made a great witness, by the way. They noticed the honey buns in the, the vending machine wasn't moving at all. I thought that was funny. They, they kind of came to me and said, are you not going to eat any honey buns this week? What's wrong? It's like... I can't. It's the days of unleavened bread, which opened the door for opportunity. Also, a good joke, too. It's a, I said, I'll get them next week. Don't worry. Next week, I'll start eating double if I have to to make sure the vending machine knows what's going on. We joke, but there's a lot of blessings and meaning to this day. Like, for example, Passover, just to recap just real quick. You know, Passover, you know, it's a time to reflect, to uh, basically recommit ourselves, examine ourselves in the, our walk in Christ and our Christian journey, so to speak. And, to, and we get the chance to look at the, we always look at the negative. Sometimes, you know, like at work, I'm finding out, sometimes looking at the positive helps too. It gives you a little confidence when you actually look at it. So you get a chance to look at what you may have done that year that was great. Hey, I've improved, yeah, except for the honey buns and the soda I'm trying to drop. But, you know, we do great. And then we get the chance to say, hey, this is where I didn't quite do, do, go so well. And this will be on my to-do list for the next year. And then the days of unleavened bread themselves is, you know, to imbibe in Christ, bring him into our life, study a little bit more. In my case, I picked a Ron Dart on the words of Jesus. I thought it was a very good one to go into, apropos. But where do we go from here? You know, what do we do after these days? Well, we, we obviously have confirmed the fact that we are going to continue this Christian journey, as I put it, for us to continue on. I mean, it's a lifelong journey. You can't get out of that. You've determined after Passover you're going to follow him no matter what. It's not going to be an easy journey. It's not an easy journey at all when you really think about it. Jesus makes this comment. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, when he's speaking of the way, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, enter by the narrow gate for the way, the, let me read that again. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. 
Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. And that is true. It is very true. I mean, in this life, it's, it's, to be good in this society is almost ridiculed at this point. You can't be good for anything. And the gate to eternal life is narrow. And, if, and I'll do it in this order. Jesus makes a further comment. In Ma- again, same chapter, so you don't have to go so far. It was just coincidental when I went through the notes and found this. I thought, oh, it's different. And I realized it's just like seven scriptures down or something like that. In Matthew 7, again, 21 through 23, it says, Not everyone that who says, says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, key word, who does the will of my Father in heaven. And then in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Christianity is a little more than just, I believe in Christ. That, that was a conversation I actually had when I talked about the honey buns, because he was like, well, you don't have to do all this extra stuff. And I'm like, that's not what God says. There's actually things we have to do. I mean, we don't have to sacrifice lambs, which I don't think I do. I think I'd pass out. The sight of blood it just doesn't do me any good. But we do have th- items and things that God does kind of require us to do. As Christians, as Matt said last week, I like his comment he made where he said Christianity is not just a, a belief system because he was making the comment that, you know, if you want to do that, just if you're atheist and want to be good, just be a Buddhist. Because Buddhism actually teaches you there's no God. They just believe that a better life is better for everybody. But that's not what Christianity is about. And it is a narrow way. And in this narrow way, when we chose to go that way, we need to, we're called to change our thinking, our behavior, to build character, to renew our mind. Just like Paul says in Romans 12, 1 through 2. As I said here, Paul says it perfectly. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do, and do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you would ask how? Because Lawrence actually said, are you going to show me how to do this? I can kind of tell you some practices you could do. One, Bible study. You do constant Bible study. Read that Bible as much as possible. I understand life hits you like this week when I work 45 hours and, or more in like four days. It gets you, but you always find time for the Bible. And then you internalize it. You just don't read it and just memorize the story and go, oh, that's a cool story. No, you get the feel of what was going on inside, what God was doing, how things were going. You can pray. You can, it's also a part of this procedure. You know, just talk to God on a regular basis. Just like I talk to my dad on a regular basis. He's in London right now, and he, he kind of told me about that, and he's making me jealous because he's sending pictures of himself in front of the Big Ben and other places like that. 
but we can, it's communication, it's building a relationship. Didn't mean to say that, just the last picture was pretty cool. He's like 20 miles from uh, London, and he was just talking about how fun he had with the group, and I was like, Dad, don't do this while I'm at work. <laughs> I'm in a warehouse. I'm not in, I'm not in London. And we to seek God. We're to read the Bible, spend daily time. But we can go further. A little bit more to this, as the title implies. Actually, a little, lot more to it. And since, I, like you say, you don't want me speaking for hours, I picked one. Walk in the Spirit. So I am calling, using Paul to help me on that one. In Galatians 5, 13 through 25. Yeah, this time Brian got a little surprised. I usually give him like a lot of scriptures. This time it's like a bulk and just a bunch of little ones around it. So Galatians 5, 13 through 25. And it says, for, I guess I could look up there too. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you love. You shall love the Lord. Let me start that over. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you backbite and devour one another, beware that you consume one another. So we're not to use our liberty for the occasion of the flesh. It's not the point of the liberty. You know, we're not to do... We're to basically fulfill the law. You know, law actually is there to help us. I used to think the law was a regulatory thing, which it, I guess it is in a sense. But when I say regulatory, I thought of like, you know, speed limits and all that stuff. And as I got older, I started realizing, hey, it's really not so bad. For example, let's say the law states you shall not steal. If I was to drop my wallet over here and I had $50 in it out of love and respect for the law, the law actually teaches you this, you would give this back to me, not rummage through it, which, by the way, wouldn't get you anything. I don't have any money or credit cards, but, hey, sounds good. But you wouldn't go through it. You would just be, you would, out, of, out of respect and love, you would give that wallet back and say, here it is, and I'd be delighted you didn't take any money out if there was any. I'm guilty of not carrying money anymore now we've got credit cards. But that's one example of how the law kind of tells us to respect each other and not to bear false witness about each other. Say you hear a rumor about someone, you're not sure. I say, Sean's looking at me, I'll just pick on him. I hear something bad about him, but I'm not sure. But I go off and tell everybody in the church, and it turns out it's false. But I went off and told everybody. What did I do? I just hurt Sean for no reason whatsoever and just to run my mouth, which I do that enough without your help, okay, Sean? But the law is there to help me to be able to love the other people as well as so forth. Now, Paul continues on. Verse 16. And, it's a, and then this is Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall, not, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if, you're, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I won't go into all the nuances, but how I can basically take it is that, that there's two camps. You've got the fleshly desires and fleshy needs, and then you've got the spiritual, and they conflict. 
and, they, and we're about to read the characteristics, and they do conflict. It basically, like the analogy, I'm just reading because I had to write some of these up, some of my notes up a little bit later in the day, and then the electricity went out, of course, figures. But it'd be like oil and water, they just don't mix. You can't mix the, the, the works of the flesh with the works of the spirit. I mean, it just doesn't work. And I can understand what Paul means when he says, so that you do not do the things you wish. You know, like at work, one day I got tired and I almost overreacted to something until I caught myself. You know, the other day I was calm. They could have hit me with anything. And I would have just looked at them like, eh, eh, whatever, I'm good. And then that day I woke up and for some reason I was just out of sorts. And, it made, and luckily I caught it. A little prayer did that one. Days on bread, perfect. We do this irregular. We're inconsistent. We do what we do. And unfortunately, that's just part of the human experience. We have to conquer our own selves. To continue in verse 19, he goes into the works of the flesh. And here's the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, Outburst of wrath, Self, uh, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, robbery, and the like. Of which I tell you before, just as I also tell you in time past, that those who practice such things will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. We must overcome them. And the world doesn't help us. I mean, you, you watch the news. The news shows us people who portray acts against other people that are just not cool. I think it was two murders in Tulsa this week. If they weren't, there was at least one and another attack, I heard. And then you see people who, who do things like cut, like on the highway, cut people off, even though that, and not thinking about the fact that they could have swerved into someone else or anything like that. The selfishness, the, the drive. And they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's look at the, the actual fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to go a little more positive than that. So, the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruits of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ, having, cru having crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And we should strive for these characteristics. We really should strive for these characteristics. It's not always easy under certain circumstances, but you are to strive. We get challenged by the world. But we have a great example. Jesus Christ actually exhibited a bunch of these characteristics. I'll give you a couple of examples. Jesus Christ had to deal with the fact his 12 disciples, who after seeing miracles of people being healed, and after the bread and all that wonderful stuff, at the end still say, how do we know, you're the Lord? How do you know that you're the Lord? You know, he didn't call them dummies. He just went, you of little faith. He was really gentle about it. Still chastised, but he just went, you know, instead of somebody who just says, hey, you stupid. He said, 
And he exercised a lot of self-control, like when he was crucified, never said a word. I don't think I could be quiet if I was crucified the way he was. I think that would be there. And he has, and he, I bet if you just made it a study to watch his characteristics, you would see that he, I got it. <laughs> that you will actually see the, those characteristics. Now, when you go to Romans 8, 14 through 17, Paul says something a little further than this, a little further on this. For in verse 14 through 16, and just for time, I may cut it down to 15. Either way, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption that we can cry, Abba, Father. I'll go to 16. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, with our spirit, that we are the children of God. So if we're led by the Spirit, we're the children of God. Isn't that awesome? And there's more to it, and I'm just going to briefly touch since time is not there, and that's fine. I wasn't going into it. That's my next message. We see that there's a first resurrection. When you go to Revelation, we all know it. I use it pretty heavy at the feast. Revelation 20, verse 40, or sorry, 4 through 6, it talks about the, the first resurrection, those who will be resurrected and reign with Christ. And even says, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are they that take part of the first resurrection. My last two scriptures. Just to, so that, one of the benefits of us being led by the Spirit, besides, of course, making life easy for everybody else around us and us just growing, is we also get the benefit of becoming the children of God. And we become part of the first fruits. I'm only going to throw two scriptures, and then that'll be this the intro for my next one in about... Mm, what is it, five weeks, six weeks, something like that. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 23. It says, For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But everyone in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are in Christ at his coming. In James... James 1, 16 through 19, speaking about us. Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good, uh, every good gift and every perfect gift is, above, is from above and comes from the, God, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance or shadow of, of, time, of turning. I'll start that over again. I'm not getting it right. I'm trying to hurry and I'm tired. Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with, with whom there's no variance or shadow of turn, unlike us. Of his own will he brought us, by, brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So in conclusion, we did the, at Passover, we did the examination of ourself. We realized where we stand. Well, maybe not totally, but we got a feel of where we stand. Sometimes we deceive ourselves, but we got an idea of where we stand. We saw maybe some of us said, eh, I did pretty good this time in this area. And then you realize, eh, I didn't do so good in this one. 
And now we're proceeding to go on with our Christian life at that point, and we're going to follow God's word. But we also must try to, we also must let the spirit of, of, the spirit of God lead us in our lives, to lead us into the things we need to do through study and through, through meditation. We must transform our minds and our thinking to align more with God. And that's what our goal is the rest of our life. And we have a fantastic example, like I said, is Jesus Christ. He sets us a good example of what it's like to be led by the Spirit. So if somebody asks, how do you know how to do it? You follow the example we were given by our Lord, God, and Savior. And, and my last comment is I wish everybody a wonderful last uh, part of the last day of unleavened bread. <laughs>